on this third Sunday in Advent, a time of anticipation and hope, which is not only true for this special season, but particularly true for us today, for you and I. So thank you for kindly welcoming me yesterday and today. At the end of the scripture passage that Don just read for us, Matthew is, of course, quoting from a prophecy from Isaiah and connecting it to that Mary and Joseph moment as they anticipate and seek to understand the birth of Jesus. The Isaiah passage that Matthew quotes, written 700 and some years before Mary and Joseph came on the scene, is from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Now, the two scriptures, the original prophecy and the gospel quote, are a little bit different, but not for the reason that you might immediately think, that they're different because Isaiah says a young woman and Matthew says a virgin. Those are actually parallel words in the Hebrew and the Greek. Rather, the two passages diverge in this sense. Unlike Isaiah, Matthew extends the Emmanuel reference to explain the meaning of the name. He doesn't assume that everyone knows what the name Emmanuel means. He's speaking to a broader audience. So, Matthew says to his audience, they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And no surprise, he's right on, because quite literally, the Hebrew word Emmanuel is M with Nu, us, and L, God. With us, God. So, Matthew says, Jesus, this one who will save us from our sins, is Emmanuel, with us, God. Sin, all the ways in which we are separated from God, is answered by Jesus, Emmanuel, with us, God. And this is a theologically powerful truth that God restores us by reaching out to us. We are separated from God and from each other in so many ways, and God addresses that by coming to us. God comes to us, becomes God with us. Rachel Held Evans, theologian and writer who made a very public and vulnerable journey from a Christian faith of religious certainty to one of exploration and curiosity, and whose books resonated enough with progressive Christian women to become a New York Times bestseller, best-selling author before she died suddenly from an allergic reaction at the age of 37 in 2019, wrote the following about Advent. It's a quote that came to my attention as I was just beginning to prepare this sermon. She wrote, The whole story of Advent is the story of how God can't be kept out. God is present. God is with us. God shows up. 
not with a parade, but with the whimper of a baby. Not among the powerful, but among the marginalized. Not to the demanding, but to the humble. The whole story of Advent is the story of how God can't be kept out. God is present. God is with us. God shows up, not with a parade, but with a whimpering baby. Not among the powerful, but among the marginalized. Not to the demanding, but to the humble. And that's the point of this Isaiah Matthew echo, to bear witness to the intention of the Christ birth, to name the purpose. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I read those verses, and I can't help but think that Rachel Held Evans is right. This is the core Advent testimony that God comes to us. God is present. God is with us. God shows up. God is present with crying babies and people at the margins and those who are humble and gentle in spirit. And God shows up with good news for crying babies and people at the margins and those who are humble and gentle in spirit. God is with us in the most unexpected ways and in the most unexpected places, but with us. God is present. God is with us. God shows up. Not just sounding something like a baby, but as a whimpering baby. A baby, mind you. We're so used to this story that we might think nothing of it. But hear this, God shows up as a whimpering baby. That is, God shows up in the least likely, most compelling, completely vulnerable way. Born in humble circumstances to poor parents by way of an unimaginable pregnancy, away from the comforts of home and family at the time of that birth, in the dark of night. A little baby. This is how God chooses to show up to be present, to come to be with us. Now, there are some who might say, that's old news. That's the same old news. December after December, year after year, century after century, it's so familiar that it has become predictable. And yet, if we really think about it, it should strike us as remarkable maybe even a shade unbelievable. God actually came to earth as a human baby, and so we have seen and known that God is here, God is with us, that God's desire and purpose and intention is to be with us. Maybe we've heard that message, that good news, but then other things have crowded it out, so we have forgotten or we've heard, but given all of our realities, we've doubted it. God is here. God is with us. Really? And our forgetfulness or doubt is not surprising because we all know that there are plenty of times when it sure doesn't feel that way. The testimony of the ancient story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus aside, it sure doesn't feel that way that God is here. God is with us. In the dark of night... In the longest night, it sure doesn't feel that way. When we are 
facing some personal significant crisis in our lives, it may not feel that way. Under a sky filled with falling bombs, it sure doesn't look that way. In a world where power is most often built on a foundation of lies and greed, it sure doesn't seem that way. God is here. God is with us, really. The good news of this season and of this scripture and of this day is that we can and do say, yes, really. I say, and I invite you to say, yes, really, God is present. God is with us. God shows up. But we have to be ready to open our hearts. And we have to know where to look. And that means not looking in the predictable places. We have to be on the lookout for whimpering babies and marginalized people and the humble of heart. For they will show us how and where God is present. God is with us. God shows up. I have an iPhone, so I get a news feed on my phone that is curated by Apple News. And what that means is that if I click on a particular news source, I get more and more from that source. If I click on a certain weekly feature, you can bet I will be seeing more of those features. It can have the effect of narrowing my information pipeline. And that kind of bothers me except when it doesn't. And an example of when it doesn't bother me is when I click on my NPR stories, news and otherwise, and so I get more NPR stories. And maybe about a month ago, I clicked on an NPR feature called Unsung Heroes. So now, about once a week, I get an Unsung Heroes story in my inbox from Apple News. I've thought of those stories as I've been thinking about God's holy and loving and remarkable presence, God with us, and about how God shows up in unexpected ways and unexpected places, but recognizable to those who are open and vulnerable and needful and hopeful. So I have two short stories to share with you from the Unsung Heroes series. And these stories are not offered by NPR as stories of how God shows up, but that's exactly what they are. The first story is about a woman's encounter with a homeless man outside a grocery store. In 2012, Laura Eshelman was in the middle of a mental health spiral. The love of her life had just dumped her, and she was struggling with an eating disorder. And to top it off, she was having trouble finding work. I was leaving a downtown business where I had yet another job application rejected. I was feeling pretty down and decided to go to the Whole Foods store across the street, she said. As she crossed the street, Eshelman noticed a man asking for money on the corner. His unkempt hair and clothing made it seem like he had been living outside for a while. She watched as he asked a passerby for change but was ignored. As I approached, he turned his attention to me and again asked if he could have a little bit of money. 
I don't remember what my response was to him, and I'm glad I don't remember, because what I do recall is that whatever I said was very unkind and harsh. Something to the tune of, leave me the hell alone. I don't have anything to give you. Eshelman continued into the grocery store, but as she perused the aisle, she noticed herself feeling distracted and rattled. Couldn't quite put my finger on it until I realized how rude and awful I had been to this person, and it hit me like an anvil. I remember thinking, what have you become? Who are you? Eshelman left her groceries behind and rushed outside to find the man who was still on the street corner. I hustled over to him, began apologizing profusely, and dug out some change that had, of course, been at the bottom of my pocket the whole time, she said. As she handed him the change, the man took her hand in both of his hands, and she remembers his hands as large and rough. And he just said, it's going to be okay. And for the first time in a long time, she says, I felt like somebody was seeing my own pain, and I started to cry. Eshelman and the man stood together for a few moments before parting ways. She never saw him again. If he were here right now, I would love to be able to tell him that that moment on the street was one of a few glimmers in that extremely dark period of my life. You heard it in the story, right? God is present. God is with us. God shows up. The second story is about a road rage incident. In 2022, Mary Griffiths lost her brother Peter to suicide. In the months that followed, she had to navigate the overwhelming experience of both grieving her brother's death and squaring away all the logistics of his estate. It's just hard to explain how devastating it is to have to call again and again and say, I'm calling on behalf of my deceased brother's estate day in and day out for months and months and months, she said. When all the arrangements had been made and Peter's house had been sold, Griffiths didn't know what to do with herself. It was like, what do I do now? And I thought, well, I think my brother would want me to do something that makes me happy. So she decided to do something that she'd always wanted to do, learn to drive a manual transmission car. It was really fun. Just the joy, the sense of freedom of driving and not really having to go anywhere, but just learning something new was very comforting for some strange reason. She enjoyed it so much that she decided to go and buy a car with a manual transmission. She found one that fit her budget, went and picked it up from the dealership, and after pulling out of the lot, everything was fine for about two or three miles. And then she hit heavy traffic. Two-way road. Her car stalled out. She took a deep breath, tried to start the car a few times, but couldn't. And at this point, because of the traffic, people were so angry. They were swearing, they were honking, they rolled down their windows, they gave me the finger. I just kind of died inside, she said. As people swerved around her, Griffiths became more and more distraught. Eventually, one of the cars slowed down. This woman, she could see my hand shaking. She slowed down and she said, do you need help? Hold on, I'm pulling over. And she did. She pulled over and she got out of her car. And to Griffith's surprise, the woman started directing traffic. 
And she looked at me and she said, my goodness, you would think that people could remember to be kind in an emergency. The woman then introduced herself as Robin. She chatted cheerfully with Griffiths, all the while fending off angry drivers trying to get around Griffiths' car. The whole ordeal turned out to be a pivotal moment in Griffiths' life. Instead of this turning into one of the most painful and discouraging experiences of my life, she came along and she turned it into something good, Griffiths said. And there you heard it again, right? God is present. God is with us. God shows up. You understand, don't you, that God shows up when we are as Christ to each other. God is with us when we are with each other. God is present in the form of women who pull over to help and homeless men who receive and give. And yes, crying babies like the one born in Bethlehem. God is present, God is with us, God shows up. It happened then on a starry night all those years ago. It happens now and it will happen again and again. And usually we see it best when somehow we notice someone or something that unexpectedly and gently moves us out of our resistance or our cynicism, or our pain. We see it when the unexpected and tender God is with us moment somehow echoes the vulnerability of that long ago baby laid in a manger. In this way, God's Emmanuel plan was brilliant, don't you think? Because the baby's vulnerability encourages our vulnerability. God's trust in humanity invites us to be trustworthy humans. God's gentleness and kindness inspires us to be gentle and kind. God's arrival as a baby reminds us that the weak and powerless offer us a window into God's intentions, the intentions of love and grace but reminding us also that if we do not extend special care and protection to all whimpering babies, then we have failed to be the holy presence that we are expected to be in this world. If you want a test of what is of God, that is it. I would offer that in this last week before Christmas, we are to be on the lookout for moments and experiences when God is present, when God is with us, when God shows up. We are to be on the lookout for the good news of Emmanuel. But we're also to be aware of the call in our lives for us to be present, to be with, to show up. It's both ways. To see Christ coming to us in vulnerability, and to respond to those around us with awareness and trustworthiness, gentleness and kindness. Here's that quote from Rachel Held Evans one more time. 
The whole story of Advent is the story of how God can't be kept out. God is present. God is with us. God shows up. Not with a parade, but with the whimper of a baby. Not among the powerful, but among the marginalized. Not to the demanding, but to the humble. May it be so, yes. May it be so. Amen.